three, two, one. Welcome back to the podcast. Round two. Christian, man, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's it's so good to see you again and be back in the studio. Actually, I wasn't in the studio last time. Last time there wasn't a studio. There wasn't. A, I was here over Zoom, yeah. which I'm glad that we're not doing this time. It's, it's good to see you face to face. Yeah, I mean, Zoom helped at the time, but right, right now it's... It's kind of time to return back to the old times. Or pastime. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how, how's life, man? How is everything treating you? Life is really good. I'm in a cool season of life right now, doing a bit of traveling. I try to not travel during the summers because of how hot it gets, but I had a couple trips lined up, so this is just falling right in, right in between. It's the perfect time. Yeah, you, know? you, just, you just got back couple days ago or last night last or, night last night yeah. so you, you went last night and then you came back here yep okay cool. I, this is the first thing on my on thanks. my calendar <laughs> i came back and i said the process podcast that's what's next for me thanks for prioritizing it man i appreciate well, it what else can i say man you're hey, a good man. friend the, hey man the podcast welcomes you back you're part of the family now <laughs> i'm honored to be back this is episode i think it's episode 17 16 17 something like that but um Welcome back, man. Thanks. So tell us about your trip. Tell us about where you travel to. So I, I mean, okay, I have to set the scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since 2018, I took up mountain climbing. I used to play soccer. I still play soccer, but no longer competitively. So I was looking for a new outlet to channel my kind of fitness. And I'm a, I'm a big goal setter. I love to challenge myself with big big physical goals and things like that. So for a long time soccer was it. Then I gradually started turning to endurance sports. I ran the New York City Marathon in 2019. I ran the OC half marathon the year prior. Mm. Um, but I love nature. Every time I go to the mountains either here or elsewhere. Just turn a little bit. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Um, I just love I just love being in nature. So mountaineering, mountain climbing was something that I didn't really consider a possibility for a while just because cost can be prohibitive. It's a little bit of an expensive hobby to get into, Mm. but I actually ran into a coworker of mine who, as luck would have it, was also into mountain climbing, and we kind of teamed up. So last year, right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, we went to Washington, Washington State, and Mm. climbed Mount Baker, which is just, just... Uh, shy of 11,000 feet tall pretty big mountain and Um, so is it is it you're climbing the entire way or you're hiking up and then climbing up certain parts of it that can't be accessed by it you start hiking you know it's 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 a mountain just like the mountains we have here so anybody can come and hike but eventually you get onto the glacier all these mountains are they have permanent glaciers Um, no matter whether it snows in the summer like I just you know middle of July, um, or actually there. beginning of August. Um, it's, it's constantly glaciated. So once you get to the snow and the glacier and the ice, you can no longer walk with regular shoes, right? So, so you, you need the trailblazing boots. You need yeah. specialized gear. You need big, heavy mountaineering boots, these things called crampons, which are essentially spikes that attach to the bottom of your boots, which kind of bite into the snow and give you grip. You need an ice axe or multiple ice axes if you're going up steep terrain to kind of dig into the ice or snow, give you a a handhold to get up steep slopes. Um, 
you need warm weather gear you know it, it, the game completely changes when you get on the snow so i was really attracted to that it was exciting it was the unknown we climbed mount baker last year i successfully summited that beautiful absolutely gorgeous scenery from the summit you can see the pacific ocean on one side you can look into canada because it's right on the canadian border hmm. you can look back down and see seattle if on a clear day i couldn't see it that day but they say you can see it um <laughs> but i really really struggled on that climb physically i i, I had never done anything like that before did all, you did you train for it at all i trained or? i trained a lot i thought i trained a lot but like i said when you don't know what you're coming up against you don't really know how to train so that first trip baker was really physically and mentally tough i i struggled a lot i did make it to the top but i was i pushed myself to my what i felt like was my absolute limit mm-hmm. my goal this year climbing a mountain called shuxin which is baker's neighbor it's it's less than 10 miles to the east so from the summit of shuxin you can see baker it's right there dominating the skyline I, I said to myself, I have to be significantly fitter. Hmm. I, I changed my entire routine around. Now, granted, last year we were in the middle of the pandemic. Gyms were closed. There was only so much I could do to prepare for a climb like that. This year, I got lucky. We all got lucky that gyms reopened in, in early spring. So I started hitting the gym heavily, adding muscle, um, doing a lot of climbing training, lots of weighted hikes. I, I bought a backpack that could hold weights. And I was doing big hikes around the LA area, you know, sometimes five or six hours, seven to 14 miles total long hikes. Yeah. They, it was pretty hard, especially with our hot weather, but I knew that I had to really punish myself in training. So that way, when I got to the climb itself, I would be completely prepared. And that came to be the case. So I flew out. What day is it today? We were Friday, right? Mm. It's Friday. I, I can't even keep track of the days anymore. Yeah, August. I think it's yeah, August 6th. August 6th. So I flew out July 31st, last Saturday. Mm. Started climbing Sunday um, mid-morning. So we hiked about 3,500 feet from, our, from the trailhead, which is deep in the North Cascades, beautiful forest. We hiked about 3,500 feet to the base of the glacier on Shuxin, which, is, which sits around 5,600 feet. We set up camp there for the night. I was climbing with a mountain guide, which I, I, I want to add that point because people might think, oh, this guy's so cool. He just does this stuff by himself. <laughs> I don't think I could do it by myself. Um, there's mountain guides that understand the mountain. They can read snow conditions to make sure we avoid avalanche, rock fall. They're experienced and, and they know what they're doing. So I climbed with a mountain guide. He was the same guide I climbed with on Baker. Okay. His name is Teray Sylvester awesome awesome guy earlier this year actually he summited everest mount everest which people may By recognize or did no he was a guide someone? he was a guide okay. with uh with an american team called madison mountaineering they took up a bunch of clients and he summited everest and the fourth highest mountain in the world its next door neighbor called lotzi mm-hmm. so this guy's in incredible shape he's he's just coming off something that very few people will ever get to do in their lifetime, which is climb Mount Everest. And here he is on a little mountain in, in Washington guiding us. So you feel really safe. You feel in good hands. Um, Sunday was the big hike to base camp. Monday morning, we started our summit push. So we slept early Sunday night, woke up at 3 a.m. Sunday morning. And the reason we start so early, people are probably like, what, what 3 a.m.? Why not just 
start when the sun comes up? That's a mm-hmm. great question. The reason we start so early is because as it gets colder at night, the ice and snow hardens, making it easier to walk on, easier to go up these steep slopes. Mm-hmm. Because once the sun starts to hit the snow, people who you know who have gone in snow have probably experienced it starts to get very mushy. Mm-hmm. And that's not good for walking and climbing. You need a very stable base when you're walking yeah when when uh i went to yosemite earlier i think it was march or february one of those months but the whenever we were hiking i think it was a john muir trail it was like seven miles up but up it was like the trailblazing like paths that were already made on the ice itself started to melt as we started coming back down and it was like five or six p.m we were coming back down and people were still going back up Mm -hmm. and it was like the trail that was there before we even left, I mean, sorry, that we started going up, we started coming down, it wasn't even there anymore. Part of it was already melted, and it was like, so I, I, I kind of see what you're talking about. The earlier you go, the better it is to get to that trail that you're trying to get to. Exactly. It's it's hard. It's, it's never easy waking up at 3 a.m., whether you're at home or in the mountains. It's even worse in the mountains because you wake up and it's like 40 degrees outside your tent and you can't see anything so you have to put your headlamp on you know you attach it to your head it's got a strap and that's how you see everything um so we started our summit push early in the morning and we climbed up steep snow slopes about four thousand feet of climb which is a lot in a day up to the base of the summit pyramid so shuxin is a unique mountain i invite everybody to google mount shuxin so they can you know see what i'm talking about in winter, the entire mountain is covered in snow. But in summer, the summit pyramid, it's literally shaped like a pyramid. It's about an 800-foot rock wall, equivalent of like a 70-story building or something. So it's this massive rock wall. The snow has completely melted off of it, so it's just rock. You take off those crampons, those spikes on the bottom of your shoes, stash it away in your pack, and then you become you get into the rock climbing mode. So you, that was really interesting, and that was a ton of fun. I mean... If you've ever rock climbed, it's a, it's not, a lot of fun. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I think you should because I think you, it, it's right up your alley. So you get to this giant rock wall. You're looking at it like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to climb this? And you just slowly make your way 60, 70 feet at a time. And there's pretty much nothing below you. You know, you've just got space below you. If you fall, you're risking serious injury. Are there – because I know I, I think it's El Capitan. They already have a pre-put – uh, stuff by I think it's like the stakes and all that that you could climb up with yeah or the ropes that you could uh, pull yourself up with uh do they have that type of stuff on Mount Sha- Shaxton right Shaxton 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 yeah. they have bolts drilled into the rock in certain spots which allow you to hook in and that way if you you know you rope rope up and mm-hmm. if you were to fall those anchors that they call them anchors that are drilled into the rock would hold you so you wouldn't fall. We weren't really hooking into the anchors because we were trying to go a little bit faster. So there's a little bit more risk associated with that. If you fall, you could seriously injure yourself or or even kill yourself, not to you know, make it more dramatic, but it, it could happen. But it's a long fall. That's that's what you're saying. Yeah, it's you're gonna, you're going to fall at least at least 100 feet mm-hmm. if not further. You have the glacier below you um, but you're gonna hit rocks all the way down it's very steep um but needless to say we made it up here i am right (laughs) thank thank god man (laughs) no disaster there it was a really difficult but 
amazing climb up to the top. The entire time off to our left-hand side, you had amazing views of Mount Baker, like I said, just dominating the skyline. That was really cool to me, hmm. seeing that I had just summited that almost a year ago to the day. Um, and was here, it worth it? Was it like all that training, all that hell that you put yourself through, was it worth getting to the top of the pin- the pinnacle of that mountain? Absolutely, 100%. And not just worth it, I didn't struggle, which mm. couldn't have been more of a contrast to the year prior. I, I was feeling confident. I was feeling in control. I felt well within my physical capabilities, and I was enjoying myself. I, I can't say I was really enjoying myself on Baker. I was just so deep in the pain cave that... I, I didn't take photos, I didn't take videos, I wasn't talking, I was you know, head down, one foot in front of the other. This time I was taking photos and videos, chatting with my guide, just admiring the gorgeous scenery around me. I mean, we're almost 9,000 feet off the ground. You can see for miles, it was a crystal clear day. It's something that not a lot of people get to experience, so I felt like, enjoy it while I can. We got up to the top, set our packs down, had a little food, we sat out on the top of the summit, just the two of us. We had the mountain completely to ourselves. We sat there maybe 45 minutes, just sometimes in silence, enjoying the, the moment, sometimes just talking as we ate. Um, and then we started our descent, got back to camp around 4 p.m. So it was a pretty long day, like a 13-hour day. Okay. Um, by that point, your, your legs are fried. You've done 8,000 <laughs> feet of elevation gain, um, carrying a 20- or 30-pound pack. So I was pretty tired by the end of it, but it's in those moments that you feel like you've accomplished something great and everything in life seems simple in comparison. Like you just, you just conquered a mountain. Yeah. It's not Everest at 29,000 feet. Uh, and I wasn't sucking air, you know, but I, I still really struggled to get to the top. It was still a big push. I was really pushing myself. And, um, it's just one of those things that, builds confidence and you feel great afterwards i still feel great recounting the experience would you go back up right now if i absolutely if i, if I gave you a 200 foot steep mountain <laughs> right now would you climb up you don't need to give me any incentive i'm there i'm there so how so I, I think i missed this part but how did you exactly climb up if it was so steep and there wasn't really was it just you guys would plant a stake every time and then climb up or how exactly did it work that you guys climbed up the 100 feet that you were talking about? So we were just free climbing it. Oh. We, we were we were roped up to one another. Right. So if one of us were to fall, possibly the other person could stop the fall by grabbing a rock or something. Um, but like I said, to climb it fast, we weren't really roping, clipping into the anchors, which would have stopped the fall. We were just kind of moving up. By our, we weren't attached to anything. Like I said, so there is some danger in that oh, um man. so i mean you think if you think about it in just layman's terms it's basically like climbing a 70 story building that's the height of the, what we were climbing and we weren't we weren't roped to anything except to each other and there was there was times when i was honestly terrified hmm. like i said i've never done did you ever look down yeah, because we have to climb down it, right? right? <laughs> you got you get up to the top, you don't just paraglide off the top. It would be awesome, but you have to climb all the way down. And so we did rappel off the top, which was also really cool. Um, we did use the, the anchors that were drilled in at that time. Hmm. But also some parts we were down climbing it. So we were just grabbing the rock, 
as the same motion of climbing up, you're climbing down. And so obviously you kind of have to look down, make sure your foot is in the right place or you, you could slip and fall again. Mm-hmm. So I was in, I was in the zone, you know, like they they talk about the flow state and deep work, deep work, whatever yep. you want to call it. I wasn't thinking about anything else. Nothing else was going through my mind except make sure your feet are planted, make test the hold, you know, because rocks are loose. You could grab a rock, put all your weight on it, and it could rip out, and there goes your hold. Mm-hmm. You know, so really make sure that everything is safe. I was just completely focused, thinking about nothing else, which, which is really exhausting. It's not physically exa- exhausting, but mentally, it's very draining. Um, I had not really prepared mentally because there's really no way you can, I don't think. Um, but. We made it down to the bottom. It took us about an hour and a half to down climb it. Um, we were moving slowly. We were just kind of making sure we were safe, but we did it. And then the rest of the way was, you know, walking on snow downhill is it's not not so difficult. So we were able to make it down to camp safely, rest up, eat eat our dinner, you know, sleep at six or seven p.m. And by that time, I'm exhausted and just collapse in the tent i can't hear anybody i can't think about anything else i'm just thinking about god this sleep is going to be so good oh, and it that, was yeah no, no like did it is it worse than jet lag when when you're finally off, you know when you can finally rest did you have is it the same tiredness that you get from jet lag i don't really get jet lag that's kind of my superpower oh, okay. but it's just this draining tiredness like you feel like simple things become incredibly difficult. Like taking off your shoes, you know, you get to camp and you got these heavy boots, right? That you don't feel it until it actually happens. No, because yeah. you're completely focused. I mean, I say walking on snow downhill is easy, but one slip and you could slide hundreds of feet. I mean, it's still very steep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just easier than rock climbing, but you're really focused in on every step, making sure where you step is safe, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so when you get to camp and you're finally the danger is gone, you can begin to relax that adrenaline wears off and you just feel this crushing tiredness and like i said simple things like taking off your shoes unlacing that you could just unlace your shoes in two seconds here but up there for some reason it just feels like it takes an eternity and you're like maybe i'll just sleep with my shoes on (laughs) you just feel this tiredness yeah you're that tired i don't wish that on anybody but you know that you the tiredness comes with accomplishing something great so you you train so you said around spring so you had two or three months of training before going straight into this cardio wise i had been training since the winter so like november december i always try to keep like a base level of fitness because what what would you do you would just run what a mile every day or is it is that up the alley or like how how exactly would you be longer than a mile i I would usually like base was would be like four or five miles for me just Mm -hmm. steady constant running i'm not sprinting and then, and then the 7 to 14 miles that you were talking about that was later on in the summer you said i was still doing that in winter as well cuz okay. you can train with running biking swimming anything that works your heart right. but to really train for mountaineering where you're going to be climbing steep hills basically you want to train on steep hills by hiking um so i was doing a lot of hiking throughout the winter luckily in california we have great winters so it was cool but not freezing cold so i was out a lot hiking all different areas in LA. I, I became a hiking, not expert, but I, I learned so many different things about the the ecosystem in California and mm-hmm. where are good places to hike, where are good places to train, 
gradually building my base level of fitness. And luckily, when gyms opened in whenever it was March or April, I was able then to add strength training into my routine, which I think helped me a ton in the rock climbing section. Because anybody who's rock climbed knows it's no longer just your legs. You're using your arms, your core, your entire body Mm. to get you up the mountain. Had I not done any strength training, I don't know how I would have fared on, on the rock climbing portion. I felt pretty good. And I think that's attributed to a couple months of, you know, heavy deadlifting, squatting, doing all those things to get me ready for the climb. But the didn't the vest already help you with that, though? It did. Um, I, I was carrying a 30 to 50 pound weighted pack on my hikes. That did get my legs pretty strong. But there's a different sort of stimulus that your body is getting by squatting 225 pounds you know, it's, it's just a different stimulus. So I was training different systems in the body. The weighted pack was to train my body to be able to go for long periods of time without stopping, which is essential when you're climbing. But the strength aspect was to make my muscles truly stronger so that I would be able to produce more force with each step. So if I'm going up these steep snow slopes where you need a lot of force to propel yourself, that I wouldn't be tired from that, you know, that I would be able to do it for hours on end with force and i did that so i feel like my training really paid off that sounds insane sounds have you heard of uh david goggins of course yeah so that that guy's training is i mean he's not doing a whole lot of what you're doing but it just sounds like you had to you had to like pull that you had to pretty much conquer that inner part of you that's you know say like comfortable i guess you have to yeah uh, yeah it oh, man that's crazy that like because because uh, like i saw i saw the instagram post that you were going mm-hmm. like i think it was like a couple weeks before you were like i think you tagged the guy that the mountain uh guy that went with you yep whenever i saw that i was like oh he's just going up a just like he's going up one of those like mountain climbs but it's not too bad like there's stakes that uh i mean the anchors that you could hold on to and just climb up and then now that you're telling me all of this, is this like you didn't tell me about any of this beforehand? So whenever right. you're telling me all this, I'm just like, I don't know how. Like, where did you pull that out of? Out of uh, in, in the sense of like that focusedness? Because I know you have like you work a full time job, mm-hmm. plus like you know how 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 ex- like what made you want to do this exactly? Well, first of all, just going back to your the other point, yeah, a lot of people were just wishing me have a good hike. You know, they're thinking like I'm just, to me, a hike is just a casual stroll. You well, you, you did, did you, but unless I missed it, did you talk about it in the sense of like how drastic it was? I just, I didn't, I didn't think I could properly explain it to people because people think, you know, people who have never seen the mountain to understand what I'm getting myself into, they think it's just a hike. Maybe there's some elevation I'll gain. put the, I'll put, as we're talking about, I'll put the mountain somewhere in there yeah and i can uh, send you some photos of, okay. of my climbs to, to yeah. give people an idea but it's not a it's not a hike <laughs> it, it couldn't be further from a hike yes there's a hike to get to our camp right but from then it's a climb and that's you know that's the key word it's it's you're climbing you're walking up you're walking up s- slopes that are so steep that if you were in tennis shoes you'd go sliding straight back down the only way you can climb it is with specialized gear and it's incredibly draining and tiring. But tr- shifting to the focus aspect and 
touching on David Goggins. I love David Goggins. I, I've been a fan of his for a long time. I read his book. Um, uh, no one can hurt me. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. He's just an inspiring individual. If if you guys haven't heard of David Goggins, go look him up. Go listen to the podcast he's been on. He 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 could be a little bit rough around the edges. You can't hurt me. Stay <laughs> hard. Stay hard. He was a you know I don't want to go into his whole story, but he's just an incredibly motivated individual who has had to Navy overcome. Navy Seal. Well, just two words. Navy Seal. He's a Navy it. Seal. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's yeah. all you need to say. Exactly. He's just he's overcome a lot, and he's a really he's a hard guy. You know, he's just he's done ultra marathons and Ironmans and all these ridiculous endurance events, and his big thing is conquering the mind and. His his quote is he wants to callous his mind, and I love that because you think about a callous on your feet or on your hands or somewhere else, it's tough, it's hard. You know, I've got them now from weightlifting. I mm-hmm. see you looking at your yeah, hands too. <laughs> you build those calluses, and because it dulls the pain, and and just like you can build calluses on your body, you can be, you can callous your mind. So that was a huge motivating factor for me. I I knew that I had to become friends with pain, you know, befriend it just realize that you're not going to be able to climb these mountains without pain and suffering. It's mm-hmm. a, it's not a walk in the park and it never will be no matter how fit you are. So once you can accept that, then you can really start to dive into the training, really push yourself to your limits in training so that when you get to the climb, you're cruising. You've done all the hard work. You've calloused your mind. You know that things may get tough, but your mind is calloused. It's ready to handle that extra pain, extra suffering because you've been doing that for months. So Goggins was a huge influence on me. It still is. Um, every time I do uh, like a big endurance event, I, I just think, I think about him mm-hmm. and how he's, you know, Navy SEAL training, which is harder than anything yeah. I'll ever do, I think. <laughs> and the way he handled it, the way he handles his life, the way that he just, he says life's not easy, you know. People yeah. people want life to be easy, and it's it's just not. And the sooner we accept that, well, I think it's a the lot easier of, it is. It's a lot of illusion, that I, bro. It's, I think it's a lot of culture that's infused a lot of delusion in, or yeah, delusion into who, what we think about and how we think about it. Like I have a I have a video that I made that probably gonna come out next week, and it's about man. I don't even want to, but. Anyways, it's it's a pretty cool topic, like, and how I break the things down, and it's basically, like, the topic itself of what culture actually thinks, but yet the result is everyone is the total opposite. People are depressed. People don't have, um, they don't have something to look towards, or the things that they're looking at aren't doing anything for them. It's A lot of it is delusion, like, when it comes to college college degrees right now everyone 10 years ago started saying oh college degrees are needed but you can go and become a programmer right now with no college degree and get a job at google if you wanted to or you know if you're in production like you could pick up a camera and go and make a film that looks cinematic and all that and make it so good and that it's better than what people do nowadays Mm -hmm. with movies and it's like a lot of it is just it is the mind it it, you know yeah we go and we say like you know people pray about stuff people go and they say i want to do this i want to do that let's just say it is like training and but also at the same time like there's a lot of fog there's a lot of grayness we like to put on it so we don't have to confront it 
we don't have to like a lot of people don't confront who they are truly mm-hmm. like there's parts of them like me like i there's parts of me i hate in the sense of like there's parts of me that if i didn't have i would probably be you know i could be more this way or i could be more that way but maybe it's like the way that i think brings these things together in a way that you know helps and brings about more goodness than the alternative so i man david i don't know man david goggins is something else that that guy that guy breaks down things in a way that you're able to see like you're not you're not you can't you can confront your bs that's Mm -hmm. like the biggest thing that i think he pushes is conquering that part of you yeah he's he's someone i recommend everyone listen to Mm -hmm. because we we are the microwave culture we want everything done quickly and we want it done now now, and we want it easy you know just pop it in it comes out a fully finished product that applies to everything from Mm -hmm. our relationships to work like we we don't want to go through the process of applying for a bunch of jobs we just want to apply to one and get it comes with training you know you want those abs or you you want the the muscles instantly you don't want to work for it 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 goes it applies to every part of our lives and it's it's sad because that's become the accepted way of life Mm -hmm. especially for young people which which is who i'm talking to i i don't care about other generations with young people i mean most of our audience is that perfect we we, you'll you're good yeah yeah (laughs) i just it's i want people to understand that life is not so easy and the sooner we recognize that and embrace that it help you know going through adversity builds a stronger person there's just like you said there's parts of yourself that you don't like there's parts of myself that i don't like that everybody has a part or parts of themselves that they're not comfortable with i'm i can be a very negative person especially when i train like when the going gets tough maybe it's natural maybe it's just me i just find that my mindset gets really negative i don't want to be here it's too hot out why did i commit to this goal like all these thoughts are going through my mind and pre goggins pre me even thinking more deeply about this topic i would probably just quit Mm -hmm. you know i was a quitter and that was embarrassing i didn't talk about that to a lot of people people thought i was like cool guy and and i just let them have that image of me but in in my mind i knew that when the going got tough sometimes i i would just quit instead of facing up to it but i realized you can't just quit on everything in your life or you'll you'll have no life you know there will be nothing to live for so that's kind of deep but the point is through the lens of training and through the lens of work or whatever lens you want to look at Mm -hmm. this through you're going to face adversity develop a coping mechanism a way that you can system system some some way that you can come out on the other side of that trial a little bit stronger or at least the same person so for me i i i I started to like smile when i when i really started to hurt i would actively tell myself okay time to just stop for a second you know you're lucky to be able to walk there's there's people who are handicapped who are climbing mountains just like you with no legs or no arms or no fingers or no Mm -hmm. toes like horrific accidents they're doing it what leg do you have to stand on to complain you have nothing you can possibly complain about you're completely healthy you're a young guy and it just reframes the entire situation and i'd go on with my hike and and push through even though it was it was painful and i really think that was the key in helping me accomplish this and i think going forward i have a couple more fitness goals planned through the end of the year and into next year that's going to be a key component of my training is the mental the mental aspect which people completely neglect Mm -hmm. and i think it's 
it's the most important part of the process. Right. And to, to just add on to that, I like last year when the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and, you know, gyms closed, I like I worked at the gym and then I would work out right after my shift. So it was one of those things where it's like a part of you is just ripped away. And after that, I had to come up with some way to, you know, figure out how to get to that point where I could keep some sort of normalcy in my life. When it came to training, it's like at the time I was just lifting weights. I didn't have this like trying to do more cardio, this, this and that trying. But, you know, after that, I adjusted and I just started to run. Like that was the biggest thing for me. It was like I lived in Irvine Mm -hmm. and then from Irvine, I would run all the way down to like around Newport. So this is like four miles down and then four miles back up. So that was a total of like eight miles and I would be back in like an hour or so or two. And, but that was like the start and I, I hated it so much. I was like, why, like, why am I doing, I was like, like, dude, why are you doing this to yourself? Oh yeah. Do you like, yeah, you could push yourself, whatever, whatever. But like, honestly, why are you? What's the point? Couldn't you of think this? of a better way to do this? I don't right? like go, dude. You have a surfboard in your room, bro. Go, <laughs> go get your surfboard and go. Yeah. And then, but I was like, then after a few months, I started getting used to running. I started getting used to doing that, and then I started getting better mile times. I started running more. I st- my breathing pattern started to get better. And right now, if you like, if we went on a run, I would be able to survive because of that training I did, you know, last year into this year, and then this year I think it was around like March or something, I, you know, I stopped, uh, gyms opened back up. So I stopped uh, swimming, I stopped running for six weeks, just went all off on, you know, uh, strength training, mm-hmm. just because I was like, dude, like, I, I need to get my body back into it. And it's just like, each time you're able to build some sort of new system, some sort of new uh, goal or environment, you're able to, you know, get a stronger mental base in order to work back off of because there's, there's going to be times where you're in a tough situation and you're like, like you, you have only this, you have only your mind to fall back on. And it's like those, those things that you've practiced in your head in the past are going to come back. Yeah. Like those are the only things that are left. There's no, you know, if you're waiting for like God to tell you something in your head, it's pro- like out of a billion people, maybe one, but the other billion are not going to have that opportunity. It's like that's what's left of what you've trained your mind to do. Yeah, I, I I chose endurance sports and mountain climbing specifically because I knew it would be the most challenging mm-hmm. thing I could do for myself mentally. And it's like once you do these and accomplish these objectives, life feels easy in comparison, which which is what you want. You don't want to be constantly stressed out in every aspect of your life. That that just breeds all sorts of issues. But when you go through these extremely challenging physical and mental trials, mm. it's it reframes your entire life. I, I know that people listening may be like, okay, cool, like whatever. I'm not going to run a marathon or do. But I really encourage people to, to look at this specifically with endurance sports because it just has the time component of hours on your feet or hours doing one activity. It's really a grind. Mm-hmm. It can be beautiful like, mountain climbing or running the new york marathon you're seeing gorgeous parts of new york city or whatever but the point is you're really pushing yourself and it just helps completely reframe the life that you live and you go back in your normal life 
you just feel like a more compassionate person with mm-hmm. others. You feel like you're a more motivated person at work. You feel like you're more resilient if, if you have a setback in a relationship or at work or elsewhere. You, you don't just you don't just fall over. You you keep going. So well, that I mean that suffering that you went through, that's what once you're able to push that self out, you're able to get into the light if you want to say where you want to get to. You're able to see like life is a lot more not simpler but as in it's achievable things are achievable if you're able to put your mind to it and but not just you know wish it it's like you actually have to be working towards and things will fall together uh, in one way or another yeah absolutely yeah and what and how how did it feel did it feel like you had this like sort of freedom that came out of it once you reached the pinnacle yeah absolutely just a sense of bliss bliss i don't know how to describe it it's Mm. freedom you're you're shedding all the problems in your life it's just you and the mountain Mm -hmm. that's what i that's what i love it's it's extremely simple and it's it takes you back to the basics it's mind over matter can you get your mind to push you even when your body doesn't want to go anymore Mm. and you're in a competition with the mountain and sometimes the mountain wins sometimes you win um you're just not thinking about how many likes did I get on Instagram? How much money am I going to make next week? All that stuff just melts away when you're in the mountains. Right. You just feel this this sense of bliss and awe. And I'm a Christian, and you're a Christian, and so we can appreciate... I think so. You just appreciate God's beauty. Yeah. You're looking around saying, God created all this. Yeah. And it's it's just something that you know everyone should should experience. Yeah, but dude, you're abs- you're absolutely right in the sense of when it's not not just God's creation, but also in in generally, you're able to see that you know there's some sort of there's some sort of string that's keeping everything attached, mm-hmm. and that and you can say that's karma in the sense of you know if I do something good for you without expecting, and I keep doing good things for other people, and that's just out of like the goodness of my heart. One way or another, that thing comes back and, like, pays off. You're able to, you know, the hard work that you put in today. I mean, sorry, the the last, like, week and a half that you were out there. Mm-hmm. All of that comes back. All of that, just like how, you know, whatever you put in your mind, you know, a week or two ago. And you were able to push through that hard time. At work, that's just going to be a piece of cake for you. Exactly. Which is amazing. Yeah. And relating back to work, mm-hmm. there was, and, and you know, I, I briefed you on this, but... Uh, there was a girl named uh, Nomi Park, and she's a North Korean defect, a defector, just to give some background. And, you know, she was able to get out of North Korea and start talking about what goes on there, what happens, and the suppression and all that of, you know, no human rights, like no uh, ability to even get food or water or anything. And it's like basically a slave ground for them. You're, you're being... Like, you don't even know you're oppressed there. That's, like, a straight quote from her. How can someone who's, uh, who doesn't even know they're oppressed say they're oppressed? Mm-hmm. And it's like, they don't even know that. It's like they're they're born and they're, uh, you know, Kim Jong-un is their god and all this stuff. But relating to that, what do you think about the current climate of, you know, the, su- the suppression of sides, the suppression of news, the, the sort of trying to 
put one side down and uprise another in the sense of like views or, you know, a certain sort of action towards people? What do you think about, you know, where freedom of speech itself has gone to now? That's a great question. Um, and I, I said this in my first podcast appearance, I kind of just fall into the middle mm-hmm. on the spectrum, political, just how I view the world. I'm not too extreme in either direction. And I think that's one of the big things that's lacking in our society these days is that there's a lot of different fa- factors that have gone into it. Cable news, social media, the lack of critical thinking people no longer read anymore not even just for fun people just don't read in general mm-hmm. more uneducated population all of those things have gone into creating this echo chamber and this one-sidedness i'm right you're wrong we don't want to hear your opinions therefore we're going to try to squash those opinions we don't want anybody to hear those opinions they don't deserve to hear those opinions they're wrong those opinions shouldn't be out in the world that's what's that's what's become of what used to be uh, a debate. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, when they think and, debate, they think of, like, they can't even really imagine what that was because we don't debate anymore. We argue. It's a big yeah. difference. Right? And, and there's some places that don't even, like, that don't have that privilege. They're not able to, like, North Korea, that place is, like, that's basically hell on wheels. That, that place is, like... No, no news comes in, no right. news goes out, well, except for the propaganda that they have. But all they're being fed is this one thing from their leader and that he's a god and that he doesn't poop and like all this different stuff. <laughs> I don't know. He's, you know, this guy grew up in Switzerland. Like he knows yeah. what democracy is, but he's willingly choosing to su- like su- not even suppress, man. Like he has death camps, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And it's like the if anyone even tries to... um get out of north korea they're on his kill list like that that's how bad it is and it's like you know azerbaijan like there was whenever the war happened there's literally nothing going in and nothing coming out that we know of we saw one protest in there and saying that we don't want this war we don't hate uh armenians and it's like after that nothing has come out mm-hmm. nothing at all and, and we don't know where those people are uh, <laughs> We don't see them on the streets anymore. Yeah, exactly. And it's, but you're right though, in the sense of, you know, they're like, we're not able to, like me and you can have a healthy debate about what we think about, I don't know, Kobe Bryant or who's the best, uh, who's the best player in the NBA or soccer or whatever. But it's like, if it's to the point where you can't even express your opinion without someone hearing you out with understanding, it's like, like me, I like, you can you can understand someone's opinion and still disagree with them. That doesn't mean you have to cancel them ultimately. Mm-hmm. If they're not if they're not calling for absolute violence against you, it's like, you know, it's because like people have lost family members over like having different po- political beliefs. Like there's people that literally like turn this into like a war against, you know, other people around them. I, I don't understand it. It's really hard to comprehend. Um, and it's, it's, it's scary for where our country is headed. People don't seem to realize, maybe because they haven't traveled, maybe because they're just not well-educated, there are so many countries worse off than the U.S. in terms of, if we're talking about freedoms, in terms of individual freedoms granted to every individual in the country, citizen or not, or specifically freedom of speech. 
the U.S. has one of the best freedom of speech laws, you know, in just in terms of what what sp- type of speech is protected. Mm-hmm. Um, and most countries, even countries that you would say are first world democratic countries like a France or something, they have more restrictive rules on what type of speech is allowed and what type is not than the U.S. But you've got so many people in the U.S. who are uneducated, who don't understand how our media works, what information is available to them, where they can find that information, who think that the U.S. is is some terrible country that mm-hmm. you know is is oppressing its its citizens. I'm not saying the U.S. is perfect. No country is perfect, but there's there's there sure are a lot of people who. I think need to get out and travel a little bit more, see some parts of the world that are much worse off than the U S and, and its citizens wish they could be in a country like the U S they wish they could enjoy some of the same freedoms we enjoy that people don't take for granted. And speech is one of them. I can, I can say some really terrible things about our government or about people, people in power. And I could, you know, I could, that could be totally fine. I could go stand in front of the white house with an F Biden sign or before him F Trump, whatever. And nobody's going to escort me off property. Nobody's going to do anything to me. People might even clap for me. You know, that's the freedom people enjoy and they've abused that freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you get into the, the censorship, which is, which is going on. And people are like, Oh, censorship. That's like for uh, like authoritarian regimes, but it's happening in the U S as well. You know, especially with conservative voices, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. This is not a this I'm not pulling this out of thin air. This mm-hmm. is actually happening and it's not dramatic like people want to make out, but it's happening slowly and we need to be on our guard for that. Just look at social media, like you said. And you, this this is not a call to only conservatives. This right. is just but he's stating what 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 you've seen clearly going on with different companies and uh that you know, like YouTube, like where or Spotify or any of these places that this podcast goes on to, you know, there's there's people that say certain things that YouTube personally goes and emails them and tells them you cannot be do- or like the next video you guys do, you guys have to be socially responsible or something to your fans. It's like the Nelk boys went and met Trump and like now YouTube sent them a personal email and there's like some other stuff that, you know, I found out, but it's. It's, it's in that space. It's like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm, I'm an independent. Some things I have conservative views on, some things I don't, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, but you know, it, it's just crazy where this is going in the sense of, you know, Facebook and, uh, YouTube and like all these different platforms. If you say one thing that's against them, Mm -hmm. you're not calling violence. You're not calling for misinformation you're asking questions or you're stating your opinion on the facts that are in front of you like still people will go and say i don't care if you're in the center or if you're on the right or the left i don't like what you're saying you need to get canceled right yeah exactly and the the media is is one of the main culprits Mm -hmm. and it's largely controlled by you know liberals um it's not to say conservative or liberal but Almost every single major news organization leans liberal. I talked about this in my first podcast. Mm. That's just the way our news media works. There are conservative media outlets, prominent ones like the Wall Street Journal, um, New York Post, 
things like that. Um, but most of the media outlets lean liberal and the people who work for those outlets strongly lean liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be a problem when the atmos- when the atmosphere and kind of the spirit around the country is all about canceling one another. Let's we don't want to hear we don't want to hear this person or that person out. We just want our view to be pushed to the top. Mm-hmm. And that's that's dangerous. People should have the critical thinking ability to be able to weed out what information is wrong and what information is not. America sadly <laughs> as sad as it is is its citizens are really dumb and dumbed down and like misinformed misinformed and you know a lot of people just aren't in a lot of the big cities there's a lot of educated people they went to college they some a lot of people hold masters or phds but in a lot of the rest of the country and there's tons of people in this quote-unquote forgotten part of the country which is like the entire 80 percent middle of the country there's a lot of people who have not even finished high school it's not to say they're stupid but their ability to process information to think critically is limited because they haven't they haven't gone through the necessary steps to like refine and hone those skills Hmm. which is how this all this misinformation breeds and gets worse and worse until you have people who think one way and they cannot be convinced out of it like they they know they're right and you can't talk to them about it. And this is both sides of the aisle. This is not one, this is not a liberal problem or a conservative problem. This is an America problem. A lot of other countries are able to have discussion and debate and this whole canceling thing isn't such a big thing. But in the US, I think social media is fueling a lot of that. People just want to come out on top. Nobody wants to ask questions. Nobody wants to be seen siding with the quote unquote enemy. You know, yeah. it's all about and, winners and losers. There's no middle ground, which that's really, really scary. But I think in reality, though, I think in reality, outside of all of that, everyone is like you can have a healthy debate outside of all of that. Like if you're on a news channel and you're going there, they're trying to pick a fight with you either way. They're going to challenge True. you on your. But if I go to. Texas right now, or if I take a liberal from California and I take him to conservative Texas, I feel like in person when there's no cameras, there's no, you know, they can have a normal conversation and have a beer over it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's most of the country. I don't think it's as volatile as people are making it. That's 100% true. The only reason why it gets volatile is because you have two people protesting something or they're I don't know, like they're outside of a butcher shop and they're vegans and they're like protesting and then social media, they're like to their 2,000 followers, they're like, hey, come through and help us out. Yeah. The reason why that happens is because of social media. It's so fast that it comes through and then you see this big commotion. All you see on the camera is just, uh, I don't know, 100 people just lined up outside of a butcher shop and a guy's on purpose butchering an animal right in front of them. And I forgot the guy's name, but... Uh, it's just, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand why maybe it might be people want their 15 seconds of fame or whatever, when they get so volatile and, you know, talk about certain issues or whatever, it could just be sports, like sports wise, you know, you could be talking about something and you can have a normal conversation between like Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Right. Like those are two people that you, 
two people that, for example, it might be for show, it might not be, I don't know, but they can be yelling at each other or whatever, but it's all in, like, fun and play and all that. Like, they're, but they're also talking about the important things that are, you know, they talk about, which is, like, what LeBron is number one, according to Shannon, and then Skip Bayless is, like, he's under, he's overrated or, <laughs> but. But you see that, that, that argumentative type of, dialogue has made its it's made its way into every and every realm yeah like, like look you have got sports you've got the debate shows where you know undisputed or what's the espn like first take or whatever pardon the interruption pardon the interruption they're all they've all because this is what people like now in the u.s they've been conditioned into the i want to watch two people argue you know well it's funny it's it's really funny it can like, be funny it's, with it's, sports it's funny with yeah. politics it's just ugly yeah with sports it can be funny you know okay is lebron overrated maybe you, you know you could get into that but like even look in other places like food shows you know like it's everywhere mm-hmm. it's it's not just in politics and when it's when it becomes so pervasive that it's everywhere you look there's just arguing of some sort it's really hard for people not to adapt that same sort of behavior. But going back to your point about putting two people together and they'll probably have be able to have a good conversation, I would 100% agree. We're having a great conversation here right now, just the two of us. If I didn't know you and you didn't know me and we were on social media, we'd, we'd probably be... Well, it's a, a little, different attitude I think people have towards 100%. It. Because you're not... It's, it's harder for me to insult you to your face mm-hmm. than it is for me to insult you over a screen when I can't see you well, and I don't have to deal with the repercussions of yeah. that. But I, yeah, that's true. But a lot of people, I think, right now, it, this isn't like again. I'm in this sometimes too. Is like mm-hmm. a lot of people are on fight or flight, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And we're just, I don't know if it's we 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 only process it to ourselves. We don't talk about it with other people. That's why all the anger comes out. And this could be in anything. It might not. It's not even just arguing about a certain topic or whatever. And. You know, there's like inner demons that everyone has. And then, it, but if you're not able to extinguish those in some way to a friend or someone you have, like a mentor, mm-hmm. it stays with you. And then all of a sudden, you know, your mom's telling you, hey, come get your laundry. And then, bam, you just like, like you scream at them because you heard something, some sort of a voice is like yelling out. I don't know, bro. It could, it could be Brandon Schwab on his podcast or uh, Andrew Schultz, like just yelling at someone on. But either way, like, uh, yeah, it just gets to that point where you, like, people, even including myself, man, like, we're we're not able to process everything well mm-hmm. and, then res- and then train ourselves to, like, respond back to other people in a normal way, in a decent way, I guess. There's so many hot-button issues now that even... Everything's a hot-button. Every- everything's <laughs> a hot-button. Everything... Like, you know, p- even people that are friends, they they kind of designate topics that we don't talk about. Like, yeah. hey, let's just not talk about politics when we're together, you know, or, let you know, look, I know you're a big Celtics fan. I'm a Lakers fan. Like, let's not talk about that rivalry. You know, all these things. And e- like I said, even with friends or with strangers, there's so many issues now that people just don't want to talk about. So we've become such poor communicators yeah. at just having face-to-face discussions and talking things out and let's agree to disagree what happened to let's agree to disagree <laughs> what happened to just disagreeing with someone but not hating them yeah you know that i think that doesn't even exist anymore or it feels like it, it could feel like that right yeah and i i think yeah i think you're right i think right now is i think it's just people are turning into snowflakes dude like i like the generate like my generation i grew up on 
Family Guy and American Dad and all while and like I'm not kidding, dude. Like Chappelle Show, right? You, you're telling me all this time like we grew up on that stuff, and now we're just like everyone went from having a good time to like every five seconds like you press a button it's over it's it's like you can't talk about that you can't call this person this you can't do this you can't do that like i'm not even no one's calling for violence no one's like right. just i don't know what to do around you man like if you're if you're gonna be like that you know unless like you have work and stuff on your mind i understand i'm just saying like in general if you're just not being able to communicate exactly what you want or what you're you're doing or whatever how you're feeling it's not gonna lead to anywhere good so yeah, I don't I don't have a solution. I wish I wish I, we could talk solutions, but I don't know what the solution is, to be honest with you. It's just something that we can get together time and time again and complain about, I guess. Yeah. And I think the biggest part right now is like from a creator standpoint, like from my end is like, yeah, I'm not I'm not full time into YouTube right now. I'm doing it part time. But like being able to see like, OK, what can I talk about without having to, you know, what can I create? in order to bring about a good nourishing like feeling of like oh man that that was something like i needed or you know that's that's a beautiful film that you put together or whatever like you start to think like okay how how is this going to be perceived on the other end and it's like sometimes you're like you could put a put together the most beautiful thing you'll have somebody that has something to say about it Mm -hmm. you have there's videos that have a hundred thousand likes on it you got nine dislikes and it's like how like how does that correlate? Yeah, it's just crazy, man. I uh, but yeah, I mean, this hopefully you know things things get better, man. I I think it's just if you have if you're always on social media, you're always like checking on different things, like updating yourself. It's like you're you're just gonna keep reminding yourself of what you you know what you're lacking, what you're seeing over the, like every, anything that you keep absorbing that's going to be the only thing that's left in your brain like how we talked about earlier if you're in the gym that's all that's going to be coming off yeah. every time yeah and it's it's totally that fight or flight mode if you're constantly looking for things to fight about or things to like oh i can't talk about that mm-hmm. you're always in that fight or flight mode it's like constant state of stress mm-hmm. and i think the only way we can kind of decondition ourselves out of that and revert back to a more empathetic open culture as as a people is to have more face-to-face conversations you know maybe you disagree with someone take ask them to go for a coffee talk about it it seems radical but 10 15 20 years ago see but radical to who though i think i think it's radical to a lot of people even really i I think so okay i i think that most people don't even want to want to go there specifically with people they disagree with like everyone who's listening right now can think of someone they strongly disagree with and i i would i would bet good money that if you said i'll put you guys in a room or you guys can go grab coffee you know i'll pay for you guys would you do it probably they say no no you know (laughs) because it just this like hatred has developed even though we're all human we're not so different after all there's so much more that unites us than that divides us, as cliche as that sounds. Mm-hmm. There really is. Um, but it's true. It, it, it's it's more true than we think. And it's, I think it's just a lot of the pettiness in, in social. I think it's so, like, people say social media is a good thing. I think it's one of the evils right now. 100%. I, I, you can say, oh, it connects people, this, this, and that. 
if you want to connect with people, you could go down to the local ice rink, the local bars, the local whatever. Like, that's how, how do you think, how else was it, you know, like that? If you wanted, before we had Skype, like, you could call your family if you wanted to, whatever. Like, just, oh, man, it's just a lot. I And it's it's just sad because, you know, like, you want to, let's just say, you, you know, you want to talk about certain things. Let's just say, for example, surfing. Surfing, if I want to talk to someone, able to do it. It's amazing. But then... You'll find someone that like will just have this like thing against people who are who, surfer culture. Oh, it's a guy with dreads, or it's a it's a it's a shallow guy. This, this, and that. He only likes waves. He only he talks a certain way. Like, it, and I'm just like, dude. Like, do you have do you not have anything uh, anything better to talk about? It yeah. like, I, dude. Like some, I just don't get it. Just don't. But. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going forward, man. It's uh, I think there's a lot to look forward to. A lot of opportunities. A lot of uh, it's moments like this, like having this podcast right now. I, I don't, you know, I don't know who's gonna listen to this, but also at the same time, it's just me talking to you about this. It kind of makes our friendship better. It mm-hmm. kind of makes our friendship like next time I see you, you're like, we start talking about the climbing stuff again maybe we go on a climb together i don't yeah. know i don't know where it leads i think you could do it but yeah it's just being open man yeah it's about, about just keeping your options open i hope people who listen you know really think about that don't just let it kind of go in one ear and out the other try to reach out to you like you can make your own small difference that it might not impact, you know, it's not going to change the world. Don't be, let's not be deluded. Yeah. You talking to one person is not going to do anything. But in your personal life, it can make a world of difference. And if everybody does, makes those small changes, you could make a really big difference um, mm-hmm. as we, we could as a whole. And so I encourage people to kind of bridge the gap, become a little bit closer with people they may disagree with, mm-hmm. try to try to find those commonalities, find the things that unite us rather than things that divide us. We're all brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers, you know, whatever it may be that we're all human in the end. Um, so one day we're all in front of our creator, man. Not going to matter (laughs) which president you voted for at that time. None of that, none of that matters. Judgment seat's going to get you. Yep. But, um, yeah, dude, I, I, I know, you know, you, you got to go uh, soon, but I just wanted to say thank you for coming back on. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And round three, man. Round three next time. Invite me back. I'd, I'm I'd down, be happy man. to bring my <laughs> vocal talents back to the, the process. It's, no, it's been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, man. And it's it's a lot more of these coming more more and more podcasts. But um, yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on and just making the small impact that you made today. Thank you. I hope I hope people really enjoyed it. Keep up the awesome work. Um, yeah, let's let's bring it on round three, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs>